Welcome to the Physionic Journal Club. Uh, today we're going to be discussing, well, if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, I'm going to be breaking this up into three different sections. The first section, what you're going to be listening to now, is going to be talking about a study on the effect of magnesium supplementation on muscle cramps, uh, especially at night. So if you've ever experienced the sudden pull of your calf uh, muscle, that can be excruciating pain. I have experienced that on a a few different occasions. So that's going to be the first paper looking at if magnesium helps with that. Uh, The second paper is going to be looking at uh, let's see, I believe I have uh, creatine and its effect on cognition. So looking at memory and then I'm going to have uh, a third paper, third section, which is going to be on uh, saturated fat and its impact on cholesterol. But let's jump into magnesium what impact it has. So if you're listening to this after the fact, or if you're listening to this live, then uh, feel free to check out the paper. I have that linked for you. Uh, If you're listening to this after the fact, I will have notes, detailed notes that you can check out to look into the experimental methods as well as uh, detailed notes on the paper. So what is this paper called? It's called The Effect of Magnesium Infusion on Rest Cramps, a Randomized Controlled Trial. So this study wants to investigate how magnesium supplementation affects nocturnal or resting muscle cramps. And this was performed in elderly individuals, uh, sedentary elderly individuals. So the methods, just to jump into a bit of the experimental methods, uh, this was a double-blind placebo-controlled randomized controlled trial. Okay, let me break that down. Double blind means that the researchers didn't know what the treatment was that they were giving uh, the participants of the study, and the participants didn't know which treatment they were receiving. What were the treatments? They were a placebo, so an infusion of essentially a liquid that did not contain magnesium, And then there was, on the opposite end, they had the magnesium infusion. So that's the actual treatment itself. So that's why it's called a placebo-controlled. And it's randomized. So meaning that once you have the participants, then you don't uh, have a set uh, number or you don't know exactly which participants are going to go into each trial. It's just randomly assorted. So that allows you to decrease the bias that might be present from the researchers. If the researchers like uh, end up deciding, okay, we've got 40 subjects or 40 participants and we're going to put, and we've got 20 women, we're going to put 20 women into one group and 20 men into another group. Well, then you're comparing two different things. That's an inherent bias or that could introduce an inherent bias and introduce a, a, a problem. So this study was 30 days long, and like I said, it's a comparison between a placebo group and a magnesium sulfate group. So they infused uh, 5 grams of magnesium or 5 grams of placebo, which is essentially just anything that the magnesium is held in, the liquid, the same liquid, but uh, obviously without the magnesium itself. So then the only variable in that situation that actually changes is 
the magnesium. So five grams intravenously uh, consumed. They had 46 participants and uh, none of these participants had any health issues, so that's positive to see. Uh, they were also instructed to stop supplementing with magnesium two to three days before the study to kind of clear out some of that magnesium out of their system. And the, the placebo group had 22 individuals by the end of the study, and the magnesium group had 24 individuals by the end of the study. So roughly the same in terms of numbers. The average age was around 68 to 70 years old, so we are talking about an elderly population here. Uh, if that necessarily translates to a younger population or an exercising population, uh, you're going to hear me say at the end that no, uh, we can't necessarily say, necessarily say, but it could translate. Uh, it's just that this particular research isn't going to be telling of, yes, absolutely, this is the case. And one potential confounder is that uh, the study participants of the 46 participants, the majority of them were women. So that could be a confounding variable, but of course they were also uh, postmenopausal. So that is a positive because then you're not getting uh, any sort of interaction with some of those hormones. <clears throat> now in terms of the main inclusion criteria, so what does that mean? Well, that means that the participants needed to fulfill a particular uh, they had to have a characteristic. And what was that characteristic? That characteristic has to be muscle cramps. If you're going to be studying muscle cramps, you have to know that the participants that are uh, go undergoing this study have muscle cramps. Otherwise, if you see no effect, then, well, that could be because they never had any muscle cramps to begin with. Or you see the magnesium group has this profound effect uh, well, that could be because the participants didn't have any muscle cramps to begin with. So if you go from zero to zero, then you're, you're not learning anything. So these participants had to have had at least two muscle cramps per week, if not more uh, than just those two. So again, the participants were given five grams of magnesium or a placebo that's dissolved in a liquid, and then they was applied intravenously. So that means that it was uh, applied through their veins. So they were they were given it uh, given through an IV. So they didn't actually consume it, but uh, if that's necessarily going to have a strong impact in terms of its actual effect. Uh, I would guess probably not. This is probably a superior way to deliver magnesium, but certainly whatever results we get out of this study, I'm sure that this would probably apply to if you were to consume it in a supplement form as well. But that's certainly just a speculation on my end. And uh, then all they did was measure after the addition of magnesium. They measured how many cramps are you having? Uh, you know, day one, day two, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, so let's get into some of the data. So if you go to table one, if you have the, the study open in front of you, uh, table one just gives you a description of the baseline characteristics between the two groups, the magnesium group and the placebo group. You can tell that 59% of the placebo group were women and 79% were women in the uh, magnesium group. So <clears throat> there is a difference there. Uh, in terms of most of these other markers, there aren't any 
uh, significant differences. So that's certainly positive to see. So then you can actually compare between the two groups. Then moving on to, let's say, figure two. Figure one just describes uh, some of the inclusion criteria and things like that, which I already went over. Uh, figure two is looking is a histogram that essentially just shows the number of cramps. So these individuals were infused or were given magnesium for five days. So every day they, were, they I don't want to say consumed, but were given magnesium, uh, five grams of magnesium for five days, and then they were measured for 30 days. Uh, from point zero, which you see there, <clears throat> you have point zero, and then you have the number of muscle cramps that these participants uh, endured when they were on a placebo, which is the black bars, or with magnesium, which is the white bars. And you see after three to six, you know, nine days, somewhere along those lines, that's the number of cramps per, well, I guess, never mind, I'm sorry. This is a <laughs> wrong interpretation. This is the number of cramps uh, in a week. So week to week, what was the number of cramps that each individual had. So you had as much as three, a lot of the, the number of subjects, up to 10 subjects had uh, three cramps in the magnesium group. And uh, you had a number that also had three in the placebo group. I think it was, I guess, like eight. So eight to 10 uh, between the two groups. So, but overall, it starts to diminish in the placebo group. You have two individuals, <laughs> which is really unfortunate for them, but they had roughly like 28 to 29 cramps uh, over this 30-day study period. So <clears throat> clearly that didn't help. Uh, the placebo group didn't help all that much. But here you're not really seeing much of a difference between, you're seeing a decrease. You might see a decrease over time, which is actually what we end up seeing when we look at figure three. So here they're looking at the placebo group, also the magnesium group, but here they're looking at the amount of magnesium that's still left in the bloodstream, for example. So the amount of magnesium retention. So if you have under 15% magnesium retention or, or over 15% magnesium retention, and they're showing the change in the number of cramps that these individuals experience. And there isn't that much of a difference between the placebo and the magnesium. You're seeing a betterment. But if you're seeing a betterment, you're not necessarily seeing a betterment between the two conditions. So this would imply, and I'll just jump straight to the conclusions at this point because that's all the data that they have. This would seem to imply that based on the available data, magnesium supplementation via an intravenous infusion does not decrease muscle cramps in older individuals. The reason why I can say that, even though the data implies that there is a decrease in muscle cramps, is because you're also seeing that effect with the placebo group. So what's actually happening is most likely you're having a placebo effect. So these individuals are being given something and they believe that it's doing something 
and therefore you're seeing this effect. And that's why you have to have a placebo group. You have to have a control group there because you don't know if the effect that you're seeing is coming from magnesium in this particular situation or if it's coming from uh, this just the addition of something, a change of any sort. And here we're seeing proof that it is because of a change of any sort. It doesn't have to necessarily be because of magnesium. Now, does that necessarily mean that magnesium does nothing for muscle cramps? No, it doesn't. And while I can't recall a study off the top of my head that does show that magnesium aids with muscle cramps, uh, magnesium, no doubt, is important because magnesium is bound to ATP molecules and ATP molecules, energy molecules, are necessary for us to uh, be able to relax our musculature. So no doubt, if you have zero magnesium in your system, you're going to be really, really tight. You're going to have tons of muscle cramps because your muscles are going to be locked into place. So is magnesium important? Yes, no doubt about that. But is the added supplementation of magnesium necessary, uh, at least in elderly sedentary individuals? Most likely not. Most likely these individuals are consuming enough magnesium from their diet, and that's why you're not seeing an effect. Uh, I would venture to guess that if you did have a deficiency in magnesium, that this would have an impact in terms of uh, decreasing their muscle cramp frequency even beyond what the placebo effect would show. So that's what I've got for you. That's what I've got for the first paper. And that's where I will end this particular study. But if you're live, stay tuned because I will be jumping into the next study in just like 30 seconds once I can open those uh, notes up in that study. And I will post that in the chat as well. So, but if you're listening to this after the fact, I wish you a wonderful day and have a good one. See ya.